0: This week's special guest Daniel Nestor, the greatest men's doubles tennis player of all time, and he's Canadian too. Joe Tilly's great Canadian sports show coming up. Oh, we're talking tennis today. Yes, indeed. Our guest was born in Belgrade, Serbia, which now was Yugoslavia, now Serbia. Grew up in Toronto, 1,062 wins over a 28-year career, 91 career ATP titles with 11 different partners. He won four ATP Tour Finals in five years, 12 Grand Slams, a former world number one doubles player, the top doubles player in history. Gold medalist at the two thousand Olympics in Sydney, a member of the Order of Canada, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program, Daniel Nuster Daniel, great to have you here, my friend
1: thank you good to, good to be there Good to be on the show
0: So tell me, uh, we like to start right at the beginning. Why did your family decide to move from yugoslavia to to Canada?
1: Uh, my uncle had moved uh prior to, to our uh, departure from Serbia, Yugoslavia at the time and uh, spread the good word. Obviously, uh, probably a little bit more opportunity, although things weren't that bad in Yugoslavia at that time. Uh, but uh, thankful for the move, because obviously, uh, you know, things worked out and uh, was able to play a sport that I loved and uh, and thrive.
0: Well, things worked out pretty pretty darn well, and we're really glad that you made the move. Uh, Why did you take up tennis and and how did that come about?
1: I I was a big sports fan as a kid. I liked watching a lot of sports on television and tennis was pretty popular at the time. Uh, I was a big Jimmy Connors fan. Uh, You know, he had these rivalries with John McEnroe and Bjorn Borg in the late 70s. So kind of took a liking to that. Uh, I would uh, go hit my uh, local schoolyard wall and pretend I was Connors playing in these big tournaments. And And, uh, you know, just one thing led to another, Uh, joined a program, coach said that I had some talent and then uh, stuck with it. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, got better and just continued through the ranks.
0: Well, now you had some success as a singles player early on. Back in 1992, you had that amazing uh, upset over Stefan Edberg at the Davis Cup in 92.
1: You know, you look here,
0: you you look like a baby here. Like, uh, I think you're 19 years old. Uh Ed Berg was the number one player at the time. You know, he he rolled through the first ed, looked like he had things under control, but you came back and you beat him. Tell us about that uh that match and that point of your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was starting uh to you know, play in the in the pro ranks and you know had a little bit of success leading up to that. I, I qualified for the Australian Open and uh played pretty well there. And I guess uh on our team we didn't really have a solid number two player and uh our captain, you know, thought I was uh, maybe a, a dangerous player. Obviously, one that uh, the other team, Sweden, uh, didn't know much about. And I was playing pretty well. I was playing really well in the in the week leading up to the, the matches, and then I got selected to play. And and uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know, courts were fast, and uh, the conditions were pretty fast, and and it, you know, suited my game. Obviously, he was uh, at the at the top of the ranks, but I had nothing to lose, and and. Uh, um, you know, things just <laughs> – everything just fell into place that day. It was one of those moments in, in time where, uh, you, know, you know, it's it's something that happens maybe once or twice in your career, and uh, it happened uh, early on for me.
0: Well, yeah, he's the number one player in the world, and here's a 19-year-old Canadian kid, and we're all thinking he's got – I mean, the, the future looks bright ahead, but he ended up focusing instead of singles on doubles – why did you decide to make that switch?
1: Well, that was about 10 years later. So I did play about 10 years uh, on tour, focusing more on singles, and I was just better at doubles. I think the, my skill set just, uh, you know, made more sense. Well, it, it just I just happened to have more success because of, uh, you know, being an aggressive player, playing well at the net and, and having a good serve and, and, you know, liking playing fast points and, and you know, always looking to come to the net, even when I was playing singles. So that uh, translated well to doubles and, and, uh, you know, uh, eventually on tour, uh, I had to make the tough decision of, of switching and, and, and just playing doubles. And uh, a few Canadians had already succeeded in, in in the doubles ranks and were having successful careers and, you know, I was doing pretty well in singles, but my body was breaking down a little bit and it just made sense at the time. And, uh, and obviously it worked out pretty well.
0: Well, we saw a little bit of the uh, the uh, doubles victory in 2000. And uh, that's, I guess, when you were starting to really focus on doubles. And it worked out pretty well with the gold medal at Sydney. Uh, tell us about that moment and what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was huge, uh, obviously, for many different reasons. But on a personal standpoint, uh, I felt as though I wasn't really playing maybe my best in some of the biggest moments and, and some of the, you know, Biggest stages in, in the Grand Slams doubles uh, finals. Uh, so I was quite upset about that. And then, uh, you know, I started focusing a little more on the sports psychology side of things, and that helped a lot. And then, uh, you know, won the gold medal. And, and, you know, if you look at my best doubles results, they all came after that. And so it was kind of a catapult to, to you know, my, my success as a doubles player on tour.
0: Well, you and Sebastian LaRocque flicked and, and you did on a number of, uh, of occasions um, tell us about that combination
1: yeah I mean you know I was always known as a big server really good net player and he was uh, probably the best returner especially in doubles on tour and uh, so it was a we, we were you know we just gelled really well together it was too bad that we didn't play more on tour uh, we played that year leading up to the to the Olympics and played a little bit after but he actually retired shortly after that uh that win and uh so it was we didn't really I don't think we really really got a chance to maximize our potential, but uh in the short time that we did play we had some pretty good success and and uh yeah, I mean it was uh it was fun playing with him. I thought uh you know everything clicked in, in Sydney. We had some tough losses uh in Grand Slams leading up to that uh uh, that event uh, uh, at the Olympics, and then everything just came together. We played really well from start to finish, and and uh, you know it was a really special moment.
0: You had some really uh, successful tandems. The first one was with with Mark Knowles, and that that started back in 1994. Uh, you ended, ended up winning 40 titles together instead of three Grand Slams. How did you end up with Mark? What, what, uh, where did how did that uh, combo come about?
1: Uh, just by chance. Uh, um, well, we knew each other. Obviously, we we're a similar age, so we knew each other on tour. And he was uh, a very good player. You know, he was doing pretty well in singles, kind of like me. And then, you know, I think he'd already won the Rogers Cup, uh, whatever it was called back then, de um in the mid '90s in Montreal. He won that with Jim Courier, so he was already an established uh, doubles player. And he asked me to play and. Funny enough, uh, my dad had entered me in a tournament after the U.S. Open in 1993 in Bogota, which was surprising to me, and uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't remember asking him to enter me in that event, and Knowles came up to me during the U.S. Open and asked me to play doubles there, and I'm like, well, I'd love to play with you, but I'm not going to Bogota, and he's he said, yeah, you're on the list, so okay. Okay, if I'm going, we should play. And so we ended up winning that tournament and then started playing the next year and had... You know, pretty good success. We went, we made the final of the Australian Open in uh, I think it was 94, 95, something like that, right after we started playing. And uh, and then from there, we just you know maintained a pretty good level and didn't actually win a grand slam until 2002. But uh, you know, uh, once we won that first one, we won a couple more and then uh, had a really good uh career together.
0: You, you talked about your dad uh, you know, entering you in the
1: Bogota tournament. Uh, <laughs>
0: How much of a role did your your parents play in in in, in your uh, in your rise to the top in tennis?
1: I mean, they don't come from a tennis background, but uh, you know, they were obviously tough uh, Eastern European parents that uh, you know instilled some good values for me, and uh, you know, they they always wanted me good, me to be good at school and and you know to at least play some sports, and and I I always loved sports, so that wasn't. Uh, Difficult to motivate me with uh there was times throughout uh, my rise through the junior ranks that uh you know I probably didn't have the best attitude, so they had to deal with that but uh you know they were they were definitely involved and like all parents should be and and uh but it was a good balance because um they weren't on the court with me, it's not like my dad was coaching me or anything, so I think uh I had enough space there uh you know where I could really enjoy the sport uh but at the same time my parents were obviously instrumental in decision making and you know who's gonna help me along the way and that kind of stuff for sure.
0: And when your dad signs you up for Bogota, you you go <laughs> and uh you're holes in the rest of history, right? <laughs>
1: well at that point in my per, of my career I was probably uh you know still too reliant on on my parents. Uh, I'm already on tour and I'm starting to establish myself as a as a pretty good player, and uh, probably should have taken that responsibility on myself, but uh, it's one of those things in life where it turned out for the best, and so I'm thankful for that for sure.
0: Well, you and you and Mark won uh, 15 ATP Masters 1000 titles. Uh, uh, you were the first player in doubles history to win every Grand Slam, every Masters series event. But after the uh, you you decided to switch partners, uh, we went from Mark Doles to Nenad Zimonjic. Uh, why did you make that uh, that switch?
1: Ah, uh, maybe we weren't doing as well. We played for a long time together. You know, it's like any uh, relationship, partnership. Uh, things were getting a little bit stale, and I uh, thought uh, you know probably made sense to try something different. And uh, you know, funny enough, uh, when we made that decision, uh, we won the French Open a couple months later, and uh, <laughs> so that made things a little bit challenging. But uh, you know, it worked out uh, pretty well playing with Nana. Uh, we we had in a relatively short period of time we had a lot of success i think we might have even had a winning record against uh, the top team the Bryan brothers and and uh yeah we we were both serbian uh background he, he was obviously from there and uh, and you know i i was born there so there was uh, that combination but uh, um it was you know right from the beginning we we gelled pretty well and and we we had a really good run together and uh you know, it was a little bit volatile at times because, you know, we didn't always see eye to eye. But uh, just like any <laughs> relationship, partnership, like I said, uh, you're going to have those moments and uh, maybe more so with him than than some of my other partners. But, uh, it, uh, it, you know, he's a great player and uh, it worked out well for sure. So the
0: fact that you might, you know, there's a little, the partnership gets a little volatile at times, but that doesn't necessarily mean, it, not necessarily a bad thing, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you, you go through that kind of stuff uh, and and in those kind of situations. I mean, I, I'm sure in the workplace uh, when things are intense and you're trying to get the, the most of each other, whatever it is that you do, whatever you know, kind of team building, bonding uh, relationship you have, uh, where wherever that would be, you, you're going to have uh, moments where you don't see eye to eye, or or maybe you're expecting more out of out of the other, and and so you know, you're going to have those moments, especially you know guys they they like to get heated and then and then they learn from it and and move on and and uh so there was those moments and but it worked out i mean uh we we definitely uh you know had a, had a good run and uh and uh you know it's different per- personalities uh for sure are going to you know cause those that that friction to happen and and uh and you know but uh i i, I you see it a lot in in you know whatever sport it is that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you, you bail maybe too early and something that's successful. And uh, so I'm glad we, we did, you know, ride it out for, for a few years and, and had some good success.
0: Well, the success, there's, there's no doubting that. Uh, 2008, you won Wimbledon. You won, won again the following year. Overall, you and Zimnich had 27 titles, including three Grand Slams only four years together you talked about a little bit of a volatility there you talked about uh you know uh, some of that so is that what precipitated the split because uh in 2012 uh you hooked up with max bernie and uh yeah and, and yeah
1: yeah uh yeah for sure i mean uh we weren't seeing eye to eye and and uh you know maybe the results weren't uh what we we what we had become accustomed to, but you know it was still pretty good, but uh you know I was fortunate to play with max uh he was a top twenty singles player and and a great doubles player, and had uh two very good years with him on you know probably should have played with him a little bit longer too uh always kind of regretted that uh that split but uh you know it was uh, it was definitely a great run, and then you know the years after two thousand twelve you know, there was, was a lot of uh, partner switching. I did end up playing with Zimnich again in 2014 for the full year. But after that, it was, I don't really think I played with another partner for a full year. And uh, But there were still some good results here and there. But uh, I think uh, maybe the didn't have as much consistency, didn't win a Grand Slam after 2012, maybe for that reason, you know, switching partners probably too often. Plus, I got a little bit yeah. older, too. <laughs> that, that didn't help.
0: Well, a little bit older, a little bit, but yeah, you know what? You you had a lot of successes in your, I guess, advanced stage for tennis. No doubt about that. Um, uh, you know, you had all those wins, all those Grand Slam wins. uh, You know, all the all the uh, you know, ATP titles and everything else. Forty six Davis Cup wins. Uh, uh, what did that feel like? Uh, you know, to to win to win the Maple Leaf to wear the
1: Maple Leaf. You know, in in those events. Yeah, that was special for sure. I I loved uh. Representing Canada, so many great memories. Uh, you know, from that team uh, atmosphere, and you know, we would always get to to you know wherever we're playing, whether we're playing in Canada or, or abroad, we would always get to that site uh, about a week, maybe even more in advance, and you know, really prepare well as a team. And I thought uh, just just from that, you know, generally players would play some of their best tennis, and I definitely thrived in that environment. And uh, then you know, when when we started to to have a stronger team, you know, with uh, Milos coming on the scene and, and Vasek and, and I mean, Dennis was, in, and Felix were kind of at the end, uh, but, uh, you know, with Milos and Vasek, we made the semis in 2013. And, you know, we were always uh, able to compete against the best countries from, from those years uh, once they got on the team, which was, made it a lot more fun and they probably extended my career even a little bit longer because I really enjoyed those moments. Well, and that,
0: that has really just, Taken off even further. We're going to get into that in just a bit, but uh, you you tossed you passed Todd Woodbridge, became the winningest doubles player of all time. Uh, then you reached the one thousand win mark, and when you did that, that was uh, you know unprecedented. And uh, some of your teammates and former competitors uh, had some very kind words. Vic, if we could find that, uh,
1: wins is uh, nothing short of great. What a career! I mean, a thousand matches is amazing.
0: He, he's one of them. Most talented players ever play the game in doubles.
1: To get to 1,000 wins, it's something that very few guys will achieve in in their careers. It really is an inspiration to all of us. He wants to play, he wants to win, and uh, it's great to see. He's done a lot of great things. He's uh, helped us as Canadian players. He's uh, taken much time to help us and really guide us. A legend of our sport, and uh, also as an example to uh, the rest of us you know that uh, if you stay professional if you still enjoy it if you love love the game you can try to do the same he'll be in the hall of fame soon it's an incredible career we we congratulate him on all he's done for uh the sport of tennis and for doubles right
0: uh what did that feel like to have that kind of praise
1: yeah it was nice uh, those are some of the guys that i competed with uh the biggest moments for many years especially the brian brothers uh we had so many memorable matches i think we played uh 59 times against each other so it was a lot of uh and usually at the end of tournaments, so a lot of big matches there and uh and uh some memorable moments uh but you said i, I passed todd woodbridge uh he won like 17. when, when i say when you say grand slams I, I won eight doubles grand slams he won 17 i think so okay no <laughs> yeah that. yeah i don't know if he yeah, won 17 yeah. but uh, I think the Bryans won 17, but uh, he, won, he won quite a few. Yeah. He won nine Wibblins.
0: So. Yes, Woodbridge won, won, won more Wibbley- titles, but you, you, yeah. you, one, Woodbridge won more Grand Slams, but you won more one titles. More,
1: yeah. Yes, uh, one more matches, yes. I would, right try, I would trade for all Wibblins, but still, you know, I no, I had a good run for sure. And uh, I don't think I was the best doubles player of all time. Let, let's uh, keep it safe at uh, top 10 type thing, but uh, definitely had a good career.
0: Well, at the time uh, if you want to, you go to go to just strictly wins then you are, but if you want to go take in everything else uh, yeah okay I, I I get that you got to factor uh, in a few things <laughs> well okay so so let's yeah let's talk about the effect that you've had on on the Canadian game because uh, uh if you look at where the you know Canadian tennis is today, you know how much it's improved over the last uh, a while uh and I, I would have to think that. Daniel Nestor had something to do with that. You know, look at where Canada Canadian tennis is today. You look at, you know, Bianca just before that, Jeannie and, and, and Layla Fernandez and Dennis Shepovalov and Felix auger Alessim and and uh you know and Milo has had a, a really nice run there for a while. And and so you look at all that and look where Canadian tennis is. Do you feel like you played maybe played a role in that?
1: I mean, I would assume for sure a little bit, uh, it, it's just like, uh, like I said before, uh, when I was younger and, you know, I saw the success that, you know, some of the Canadians were having in doubles before me, guys like Grant Connell and Glen Chabatta. And even in singles, I mean, those guys motivated me and, and, uh, maybe I did the same for some of the young guys, but, uh, you know, there's, again, there's so many factors, you know, we, we did a good job of hiring some good international coaching. We really built up our facilities and, uh, and you know tennis you know i I think across the world just became a more popular sport. I think golf had a huge lead, you know maybe in the nineties, uh, and then tennis started to get more popular and I think just from that, you know people started playing more tennis at all levels and, and if uh, participation is higher uh, wherever that's going to be, obviously you're going to produce more players and and we were able to do that and uh and fortunately we uh we had some really good
0: ones well, what other factors would you would you say there are because you look at Canada, here's a country where we you, you can't play tennis outdoors all year round, like you can in a lot of countries uh, uh, certainly yeah. a very li- limited amount of tennis that we can play outdoors and we have to get inside and why is it that that we've been able to you know produce player after player after especially recently, like all these guys kids who won Wimbledon juniors and you know yeah.
1: uh, well, I mean it's it's that's a it's a difficult question because you know we've we it's not like we have you know like france or spain or 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 germany or whatever some of these top tennis nations where they have like a very deep cast of players we have we're we're very top heavy i would say uh and you know if you look at maybe Milos breaking through vasik was his counterpart in juniors and he was probably motivated by milo's success and he had a lot of success same thing with dennis and felix uh on the women's side, uh, you know, maybe not as much. Uh, uh, Jeannie, you know, kind of came through on her own and, and Bianca followed soon after that. But uh, I don't think they were junior rivals or anything. But uh, I, I think for sure there was some chance involved, some luck involved. But at the same time, uh, Tennis t- tennis Canada, the federation, did do a good job of, uh, of you know, building up the, promoting the sport better, building up the facilities better, hiring some some. Some good international minds uh that became an influence on on some of our our better juniors that maybe we didn't have in the past and and it's just one thing led to another and and for sure uh, when milos broke through and uh you know he had that run in Australia and then you know he just he followed that up with a win in San Jose I believe and did well in Memphis and then you know never looked back and and then all of a sudden tennis you know was on t v more you know even my matches like you know i was you know, if I was in a Grand Slam final or in a really big match, you know, people would see it. But other than that, you know, people, you know, didn't weren't really paying attention or following what I was doing. Or you know, even if they were, they weren't able to to follow by watching the actual match. Uh, you know, that changed maybe a little bit with uh, streaming on on the internet. But also when Milos did have that breakthrough, all of a sudden, you know, we had a lot more tennis on television at, at, at earlier rounds in, in the biggest events, and and so. Whatever you want to watch, whatever Canadian you want to watch, it was becoming available, and and that probably inspired uh, you know more and more kids to play, and uh, you know the power of television and, and you know media is is huge as we know, and and uh, so I think that uh, that had a huge effect on the sport.
0: Is that like me saying that uh, Daniel Nestor is undisputedly the greatest doubles player of all time? That's it. <laughs> That's a little biased. A little biased. I appreciate it, but as a
1: Canadian, you say Steve Nash is the greatest basketball player of all time, something like that. Yeah, 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 something like
0: that. So you you know, look at all these all these young Canadians doing so great right now. Uh, Who's? I mean, we saw Bianca. What was that like? You know, as a Canadian tennis player, what was it like when when Bianca won that Grand Slam, won that U.S. Open title, really broke through? I mean. I mean, let's face it, you, you've been doing it and uh, doubles play for, for a considerable amount of time. And I know the other tennis players see that. The other tennis players see what, you, what Daniel Nusser's accomplished. But most Canadians don't see it. But then we see Bianca breaking through in, in singles and beating Serena you know, twice, you know, in the Rogers Cup final and then again at the U.S. Open. Uh, and uh, we see that. What was that like for you as a Canadian tennis player watching that uh,
1: unfold? Well, for me, I mean, I think that was the greatest moment in Canadian tennis history for sure. I mean, uh, you know, obviously being the first to win a Grand Slam in singles and, and uh, you know, just the way it, it, it happened. I mean, she beat Serena, uh, the, you know, arguably the, the greatest female player of all time uh, at the U.S. Open final in her home country with the crowd just, you know, going bananas. You know, <laughs> It was yeah. like a, a yeah. Raptors, you know, nba finals type atmosphere out there and and she dealt with it and you know just the way the match unfolded i mean she had a huge lead in the second set and and serena fought her way back to to five all but bianca held her nerves and and finished it off and and you know the run she had i mean she won any new walls and she won the rogers cup and and then you know just so people really started to get on board and it was it, it was exactly like the raptors you know winning the the title that year you know people they win the first round then they beat i'm, I'm a Sixers fan so that uh they yeah, yeah. <laughs> still, still sting a little bit but uh so they win that series and now everyone's watching you know and so it's the same kind of thing and then once they beat milwaukee then you know everyone like that, that follows sports or that pays attention to what's going on in the world is now pay t- paying attention to this and that's what happened to bianca and and uh it happened the same year Did it, it happen the same year as the raptors i think it did uh 19 no, yeah uh, yeah yeah, so it uh, you know it two amazing things the same year. I think uh, probably would have been a, even a bigger deal if the Raptors hadn't won that year. But uh, yeah, so it's uh, it was definitely the pinnacle of uh, of you know Canadian tennis history. I would say.
0: So uh, our, no, so it, it, Bianca hasn't uh, you know struggled a little bit lately with injuries and everything else. Any doubt in your mind that she, she's going to be back?
1: I think she's already back. She's playing well, and uh, I don't know. I, I know she was in the quarterfinals of Madrid, and I, I don't know how she she fared since. But uh I mean, I think uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, she's like Milos in a way. Like they get injured, you know, unfortunately too often, which is uh unlucky and, and sad uh considering their potential. And I think uh Milos, obviously, you know, he got to three or four in the world, and he probably could have been a, uh, you know. Uh, he, he you know he, sh- he should have been you know stuck at that spot or at least top 10 for many years i think if you if he would have been a little more healthy considering his uh his game style his potential but uh at the same time you know these two are pretty amazing at uh how well they play without with playing so little events um you know milish was able to do that so many times he would come after taking months off and uh you know have a good performance which is not normal usually you have to work your way back so i think uh their talent level is high and uh, especially you know bianca you know she beat top 10 the first eight top 10 players she played against something like that crazy record and uh and uh so obviously she's you know one of the best and you know just a matter of staying healthy and you know even if she does play half the amount of tournaments in the next five, 10 years is is you know, some of the other girls, she's still going to have a lot of success.
0: Layla Fernandez, different style of player, but reached a grand slam final. Uh, doesn't have, uh, you know, Bianca's power game, but, uh, what do you see, uh, for her future?
1: Yeah, she's fun to watch. I mean, she's, she's got uh, a lot of uh, flair when she plays and she really, the crowd really, you know gets involved and they, they're really attracted to that personality. And uh, so she's, she's very marketable and, and, uh, you know, she's, she's just, you know, such a positive player and, and someone that, you know, every time they're on the court, they're, they look like they're having a good time and, and they're, they're going to fight till the end. And, and, uh, you know, she's, she's remarkable in what she was able to accomplish last year. And, you know, unfortunately she played someone that was having a similar type run in the U S open final, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise i think she would have, i think she, uh, any top player i think would have been so nervous to, to play against her i think she would have beat being anyone probably in the world other than that girl that day but um yeah i mean it's it's just another example of uh we've been able to produce uh another you know one of these top players uh in a short time frame yeah,
0: but it seems like there's a different mindset out there i mean it, it seems like a few years ago uh, i mean back in the day you know when I, Doing, doing a lot of coverage of tennis on TV, and I don't know. I, I just didn't feel like it was like when Canadians took the court in a big event like this. It just didn't seem to me, in particularly on in singles, uh, that uh, I don't know. I just didn't. I, I didn't have the the, the confidence, uh, uh, you know, that they would be coming through and get the job done like I do today. Like I, I, I look at any of those yeah. those four, really, like uh, Layla, or you
1: tennis singles uh, back in the day. <laughs>
2: When I you like played Edberg? Any I remember but when you were playing in a while, Edberg. He, and once I tell in a you while, what, he's what? gonna
1: have a good win, but most of all, he's gonna let us down. But uh, no, I think uh, you know it just feeds off uh, off each other. Uh, you know, once you know the ball starts rolling, and and people see that Milos and and you know these type of players, uh, Bianca, Basha, whatever, Dennis Felix. Uh, once they see that th- these players are not that just there to Put in a good performance, but they're there to win you know the, the same thing I think with Canadian basketball, right you know once Steve Nash made his move and other Canadians feel like you know they can do that too and and now we have what twenty 30 guys in the NBA and look at soccer, same kind of thing now I mean I think it's just gonna you know continue uh, to to go in that direction of you know kids wanting to be a part of it, kids you know having higher expectations. You know, from themselves too, and which is good, and and wanting more, and and wanting to be at that level too, and I think it's just that's just the way it works, and uh, we we need that initial breakthrough, which we had, and uh, I think it's just going to be, uh, uh, you know, the, the the norm moving forward in in different sports.
0: Well, you know, you, you you nailed it because Canadian athletes,
1: I mean, we rock. Let's
0: look at the women winning the uh, Olympic gold medal in soccer, uh, you know, hockey, uh. uh the men's soccer team qualifying for the world cup and you know uh, Alfonso Davies uh, might is a top 3 of the top players on the, on the planet right now and it just you know uh, we're doing so well and i want to transition that into uh you know you back to honoring uh Daniel you're going to be honored really soon by uh, the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame um you it's a big month for you you're 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 inducted in uh, May 25th along with uh, uh Brian Budd, Abby Hoffman Brad Park, uh, Tom Watt, Barbara Underhill, and Paul Martini, Adam Vancouverden. Uh, that's a pretty impressive list. How does it feel to be part of that lineup?
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, definitely an honor. Uh, you know, feel grateful that uh, I, I'm able to be a part of it and you know get recognized for some of my accomplishments and. You know, any of those things is uh, is is very special, and and so I feel, you know, I I've never been one to enjoy the spotlight, so I, I don't like going up and uh, you know talking about myself and all these things. Uh, but I'll keep it short and sweet that night. But uh, you know, it's it's special. I mean, I remember watching Brad Park as a kid. Uh, I was a Canadians fan, and he was on the Bruins, and and uh, he was a great player. And and just you know, I went to the Olympics with Adam Van Coverden couple of times. I think he's going into politics now. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, these are, uh, amazing athletes in, in, in their respective sports and they've achieved so many things. So it's, uh, it's an honor to be recognized alongside of them.
0: Well, I know it, it's kind of something you don't really like to do is deliver those speeches, but we want to listen to one that you delivered in, in uh, 2011 when you were honored at, uh, uh, with a star in the Canadian walk of fame. Uh, Let's listen to that induction. Uh, It's definitely an
1: overwhelming experience and a a true honor and a privilege to be recognized together with some of uh, Canada's most influential people. On the court, I'm used to sharing the spotlight, but uh, I'm not really used to getting it all by myself as I have uh, in the last couple of days. This is definitely a change of pace. You know, people often ask me over the years, what does it take to be a great doubles player? It's an easy answer for me it's having a good partner. And I've, uh, I've been fortunate to have four of the best string uh, during my career in Max Mirny, Nanit Zimnich, Sebastian Leroux, and Mark Knowles. You know, they've, uh, they've carried me to a lot of titles. I think I should have half a star, honestly, uh, you know, with, with their names on the other half. Obviously, I want to thank my parents. They've been very instrumental. You know, they've basically done everything for me, but I hit a tennis ball. Uh, my wife, who's sitting in the front row, uh, she's taken over that role of doing pretty much everything for me. And uh, <laughs> I think the the best thing that my, my parents did do was uh, make the move to Canada in uh, 1976. It was a tough transition for me at first. I didn't speak any English. I was crying on my first few days at school, and that's all, all I knew. And, but quickly, uh, I realized what, uh, what a great place uh, Canada was and the opportunity it was about to give me. I really want to thank my uh, federation, Tennis Canada, for recognizing talent in me from a young age. And... Just in closing, really want to you know say you know representing Canada has been an honor. There's some great places around the world, but uh, this is the best place. This is the most complete country in the world, and I feel like if uh, if I've given a fraction back to to Canada with my tennis and you know I can my my career will, will really be fulfilled. So I really appreciate everything tonight. Thank you very much.
0: Well, that's pretty awesome, and uh, you know you talked a lot about uh, you know how grateful you were to be uh, Canadian. we got a pretty good country here, don't we?
1: Yeah, for sure, I was uh, very happy that, uh, well, probably not uh, those first few days of school, but uh, <laughs> ever since I realized what was going on, for sure, I was uh, very fortunate to live in Canada.
0: So uh, you, you made reference to Natasha, the family's good, I, I presume, you, you and, your, and then Natasha and your daughters
1: yeah it's good uh my my wife uh probably wishes I was on tour uh, coaching or away more often <laughs> but uh, that's been a it's been a bigger transition for her having me at home all the time than uh, than me being home but uh yeah i lo- i really like being in, in one place i I enjoy the travel but uh i, I enjoyed sorry being at, at different places I did not enjoy the travel I was not a good flyer the whole airport experience is is getting uh uh, more difficult, uh, obviously, in, in, uh, in the last couple of years, but it was already, uh, you know, I, I just didn't like that experience of, you know, leaving home one, but leaving family the other. But uh, just actually being on a plane was uh, was not fun at all. So uh, I like being uh, in one spot and uh, probably annoying my family quite a bit, but uh, it's it's fun for me to, uh, to be with them all the time.
0: So I know you're a Habs fan, but did you catch some of the Leafs game last night?
1: I am I'm, I'm not a sports fan like I used to be, but uh you know, when the Habs uh, had that run last year it definitely uh, got into it a little bit. But uh I I've matured. i I've, I said I'll cheer for the Leafs in the playoffs when uh, when Montreal's not in. So uh I'm happy to see that. Hopefully, uh what's it been since nineteen sixty seven? Is that fifty five years now? Is that where we're at? Yeah, yeah. It's been a Yes, yeah, yeah. so hopefully uh I mean, I, I think if they if they get through the first round, I think it's one of those things. that confidence will, will be high, and they they will just they're going to start rolling. I don't know if they can win the whole thing. You know better than me, but uh, they definitely have the talent for sure, right? Well,
0: you know what? I, 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 when you saying 1967, they definitely do. And the Seventy Sixers were were you torn uh, when the Sixers were playing the Raptors again? I mean, do you find yourself being a little bit torn because you know you saw what happened when the Raptors won it all? And, it's kind of fun to be part of I'm
1: that i'm not torn i'm not torn you know obviously you're happy for the city when the raptors won it but uh so many friends you know you know what it's like when they start rubbing it in when uh yeah when Kawhi hits that shot and it, it would have been i think it would have been fine if they acknowledged that there was a little bit of luck on that shot but uh <laughs> you know when they when they just say that he's oh, obviously he's a great player just you know you got to be good to be lucky but you know if he hits the rim four times there's definitely some luck involved but uh you know, so it was nice to see the Sixers uh, avenge that. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how much uh, chance. I mean, Embiid's out, and and uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they beat Miami anyway. But uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah,
0: in order to beat Miami, they need a healthy Embiid. And you know, uh, if you if you look at uh, you know how far they've they've gone, that's pretty good. What turned you on to the 76ers? What was it? Oh, this, is a, this all
1: happened when I was uh, watching Brad Park on the Bruins. Sorry, I'm just bringing that up. But, uh, I started watching uh, all these sports. You know, Connors, this is like late 70s. So Habs were on top. Sixers were very good. Uh, I'm a big Steelers fan. They were the best team at that time. I, I don't know, for whatever reason. I, well, when did the Jays become a team? Was that in the late 70s? 77. Mid-70s. Yep. 77. Okay, so I don't know. I think the, the Expos were good. I, I remember that series when they played the Dodgers in uh, in the uh, what, what's it called the NL NLCS and uh, yep. I came home and uh, Rick Monday hit that home run and I think they loaded uh. the bases in the bottom of the ninth and and then uh, they couldn't score and so I was a ha- uh, Expos fan but then uh, they lost their team so now I'm a Jays fan but uh, I don't know the loyalty I stick with my teams. <laughs>
0: Uh, boy. and and uh you know you're stuck with your country we're happy
1: for that man. But,
0: uh, you yeah, know you, sure. you you played a long time and, and accomplished a lot you know you did a lot for charity you know the daniel Nestor uh, celebrity charity fund's done a lot uh tennis canada go for gold uh, double up for mental health any particular uh charity that stands out for you and, and that uh, you, you feel strongly about
1: yeah i mean all those uh are special i think uh you know Obviously, helping some of the kids that uh, needed a little more support uh, in tennis was important. But just generally, kids that are the the one that hit some of the most is probably just giving all kids a chance. You know, kind of in the uh, more neglected areas or the lower income households. You know, giving them an opportunity to to get into a sport maybe uh, like tennis that they wouldn't have had that opportunity. So something along those lines. Underprivileged children probably. Hits the hits home the most, but uh, you know, doing any kind of charity work is uh, obviously important, and, and giving back is integral for for everyone in society to to make it function properly. I think.
0: Well, well done, Daniel Nestor, the greatest doubles player of all time, in my opinion. And uh, enjoy your induction in, into the uh, Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, thank you for being on the program.
1: Okay. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. More sports when we come back. More Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show coming up after the break. Sports. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports. Top of the line, imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com. Hey, this is Tommy Grazley, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn. I love two things, music and sports. And when I want sports, I go to the Joe Tilly Show. He gives me everything I want. It's a great show. Check it out for yourself. Joe Tilly Sports, coming up. Good night. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center. Saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bred Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario Tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAOnline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates, live racing year-round. Go to hpibet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's hpibet.com. Slow play. It's a slippery slope. First you go looking for that lost ball, and then everything goes sideways. There are a lot of golfers on the course. Make certain of your point of entry, look quickly, and move on. Remember, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Find anything, Bob? Not yet. Visit moregolf.ca today. You'll find everything a golfer could need from balls, gloves, and clubs to custom fitting opportunities and training gear. Go to moregolf.ca and get $20 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Just enter the promo code JT Sports. Yes, not my Cosa Swiss pick of the week. Last week, I went to Mohawk for Monday night's ninth race a preferred trot. I thought Dream Nation would be right there, but he got boxed in, pulled out late, but just wasn't quite able to close. It was a three-horse photo for second, and Dream Nation was fourth. Oney Hall, the favorite, with Trevor Henry in the buggy, trained by Bob McIntosh, won the race, his fifth in a row. This week, I'm going back to Mohawk for Thursday night's fourth race. A pace, Mr. Beast, driven by Jody Jamison, is my choice. He showed some late speed last time out. Let's go. $5 win plays and a $1 exact box, 269. And what the heck? Let's do a trifecta box as well, 269. For all the racing updates, visit Costa TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and go to HBIbet.com for your wagering options. This is the Excellent Sports Adventure, brought to you by Lycom. Well, that was a lot better than last year's playoff opener, wasn't it? Yes, they didn't suffer a devastating injury. The big ends showed up to play. The big gunners showed up to play in a big way. Austin Matthews with a pair of goals. Mitch Marner with a goal and a pair of helpers. Andre Kasha returned to the lineup and picked up a pair of assists. And Jack Campbell was perfect. His second career playoff shutout as least manhandled a two-time defending chance from Tampa. 5 nothing. Couldn't ask for more from
2: these guys. We had a lot of guys that were really, were really good today. Our team played really well. Our crowd was unbelievable tonight. I thought the crowd was the first star of the game. Despite we had a lot of guys that were good. And I thought that they carried us through that kill you know, the players play hard. They got, they got life and, and we got some chances and just the way that our crowd responded and then really did let up for the rest of the game from there. You know, I was asked questions down the stretch of the regular season, what, how important home ice was. Um, and I, you know, I felt that it would be important. I didn't feel it would be that important. Uh, it's my first game coaching the Leafs with a full building here. And uh, we, I certainly felt it, but even talking to some others that have been in the building and, and have been through this, uh, our crowd is, is uh, you can feel the love for this team and the excitement about, with this, for this team. And I thought they were outstanding tonight and our team just didn't look back.
0: It was outstanding indeed. Some of the greatest names in hockey history were at the Hockey Hall of Fame on Monday night for the Legends of Hockey Playoff Draft. and I'm really liking the selections by Team Jones. Okay, so Legends of Hockey Draft here at the Great Hall at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Look at that, right behind me, we've got Frank Mahovlich, the Big M right there ladies and gentlemen. Lanny McDonald, his team had first pick. Lanny's team pick. He picked Connor McDavid. How did that feel, picking an hey, Euler, Lanny? Hey, I I was outvoted seven to one. I could not believe it. Yeah, he was Johnny good all the way. You, you know that. You know that. Hey. Yvonne Yes. you won twelve Stanley Cups. Why did you decide to pick uh, Jonathan Uberdo with your pick? Wheezy? Huh? That <laughs> 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 All right, team. Muller went with Jonathan Duberdrill. Hey, I guess because the halves were out of it, you had to pick a French guy. Is that what it was? I would go with the number one guy. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Number one team. Number one guy. Good call. The third round team Morgan Riley, Tom English. Yeah, baby. That was a good night, wasn't it? Well, are you getting excited about what the Blue Jays might be accomplishing with the first full healthy season with George Springer in the lineup? Well, the Jays' big free agent signing from 2021 had quite the afternoon against the Astros, his former club. Springer led out the bottom of the first by bopping his 46th career leadoff homer. That ties him for six all-time. He added another dinger on the day. Last year, the three-time All-Star had a 907 OPS, 22 home runs in just 78 games. In his first month of 22, six big bops and a 968 OPS. He made that spectacular catch in the series finale with Houston. This guy's got game.
1: In the game, we were talking about uh, the Asian after Zimmer made that play in
2: center. So he goes, I guess I'm the DH. And I said, Man, We just want to keep you healthy. And then he had a great game like that, which I'm glad that he doesn't mind the Asian.
0: Because some guys, it's tough for some guys because it's not easy to do because, you know, guys are, are used to playing every day and he's comfortable doing it, so it's great. Like, anything that George does doesn't surprise me. It's, it's, it's big, and it's tough to manage it against something like that because, you know, you're always thinking about the third time around and all that stuff, and third time around, they're getting George Springer again. So, you know, of course, that makes us a lot better. Well, it's playoff time for the Toronto Rock, and it looks like they're ready to roll. The Rock were in Buffalo to face the league-leading Bandits, and that Rock bench couldn't have been the happiest of places when the Banditos jumped out to a 5-1 to lead at the half. But the Rock roared back in a big way. Captain Chaylen Rogers scored three times. Sharpshooter Tom Schreiber added a pair. The Rock scored five times over the final seven minutes to win at 10-7. Nick Rose was rock solid between the pipes as they finished a solid second overall at 13-5. Friday night, their playoff run starts with the Halifax Thunderbirds dropping by First Ontario Centre. A big pro boxing show coming up May 7th at Red Owl Performance Centre in Brampton. Uh, Zolt Duranier faces Flavio Michel for the vacant Canadian welterweight title. Scarborough's Justin Gandoza puts his perfect 14-0 record on the line. Body Hunter, Mathusin Mahindas also undefeated, also fight on the card. The show will air live on Buzz TV. Chicago FC fell to three, two, and four with a two-one loss to Cincinnati. Now, here's our golf shot of the week. Oh, God damn it! Four. four.
2: Welcome to number six at LT Tigre. Will he make it over today? Mm-hmm. We don't. More will be revealed. Is he happy? Yes,
1: That's it. That's it. Okay. Oh.
0: Get in the hole. Is it good? Oh, God. Damn it. Four. <laughs> Today's environmental tip: reduce the electricity you use. Use energy-efficient light bulbs instead of regular light bulbs. They last longer, which will save you money. Make sure that you turn off the lights, the TV, and other appliances when you're not using them. And your air conditioning or heat settings when it's not necessary open your windows when fall arrives and wear more layers of clothing rather than cranking up the heat rycom passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions for public and private sector real estate properties portfolios and enterprise customers optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up the latest in fault locating base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions. At RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future. That was a pretty good golf shot. We want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great people. We highly recommend them all. A reminder, the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts, as well as the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV. Also, please like and subscribe to the show on YouTube. It's free. All of our past great shows and clips are on there. So I want to thank Daniel Lester once again for being on the program. Thank you for watching. Join us next week when former Oilers great Dr. Randy Gregg drops by. We'll see you then. Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by Brian Gribben Insurance Planning helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP,
2: what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring
0: value to you and your family and your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did 905-686-5678. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and over-deliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit getaldo.com. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting tax and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves in responds to the need of their clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington and more. Their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more.